more than ever, we have access to these amazing learning tools to help us understand our own personal well-being. And there's a real empowerment movement around well-being that says, you know, you have more control over your health than perhaps we realized uh, in generations gone by. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today's guest is a business coach, founder, and CEO of well to do Global. well to do is a resource for the wellness industry. They offer news, insights, and trends, networking events, and careers. I've worked with her personally myself, and she has really helped me to get clarity about my own personal brand and business. She is a true supporter of women, and she is incredibly passionate about the world of wellness and business. Welcome to the pod, Lauren Arms. Oh, thank you, Adrian. It's such a pleasure to be on your incredible show. Well, thank you, Lauren. This has been a long time coming. I know that we both, you know, have we wanted to do this a while ago, I think when we were still recording in the studio in London, but you know, our busy schedules weren't able to, to make it happen, but now we've been able to connect virtually. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Me too, me too. So I guess, well, where should I start? I mean, there's so many things that I want to talk to you about today, as always. So I'm going to try to, I guess, pick the best bits that I, that I think that you can talk to us all about today on this episode, as unfortunately we don't have the three hours that I'm sure we could talk for. <laughs> so for anyone listening who is not familiar, could you give us a little context, I guess, and maybe take us back a little bit, talk to us a little bit about how and why you started well to do Global and your business coaching business? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you'll pick up very quickly for the listeners that I have an Australian accent. So I moved to the UK coming up to seven years ago now. And um, I was somebody working in the corporate world, kind of grinding the gears, climbing the corporate ladder. For me, you know, growing up, my inspiring career looked like being somebody who wore a power suit and had a Blackberry and went to important meetings. And I was certainly doing all of those things. And yet there was something, you know, that little voice inside me that said, there's something more for you. So um, I sort of started to be introduced to this idea of being an entrepreneur when I moved to London. Um, I'd grown up in small towns in Australia. I didn't really know anybody who ran a successful business. I always expected that I would work for somebody else. Um, and so moving to a city like London where anything is possible and you feel suddenly surrounded by, you know, bright, intelligent, ambitious people, I started to question this idea of working in a nine to five. And, you know, I would leave my desk on a Friday afternoon feeling disillusioned and disappointed. And I'd spend my weekends exploring areas of passion and, you know, things that really lit me up. And 
And one of those things for me was was wellness. Um, and even though I didn't realize it growing up, you know, I I lived a, a really sort of well active. Um, you know, my my dad grew organic vegetables, and in Australia were very outdoorsy, and so you know it was a natural passion point for me. So when it came to thinking about starting a business. Naturally, I, I had this desire to combine something I felt deeply fulfilled by and passionate about with, you know, the world of business. So Well To Do was born as um, really a sort of passion project for me to get clear on what my big business idea is. And for anybody listening who wants to start a business, the first thing you ask yourself is, you know, what's my big idea going to be? What's that thing that's going to be that, you know, sets me apart, that solves a problem? And so I, without putting too much pressure on myself, I started this really crappy blog, WordPress blog. You know, it was welltodolondon.wordpress.com. I remember I made a logo in Microsoft Paint for anybody who remembers that program. Um, and it wasn't perfect. It wasn't, um, you know, it, it wasn't a, a perfected brand or, um, you know, a, a world-class website. But it really it got me started, and so I would go out and start interviewing and meeting and speaking with people who were doing interesting things in in the business of wellness, and I was meeting people who was who were opening um, boutique fitness studios and starting healthy food brands and you know looking at the world of um, natural or non toxic beauty and that whole industry really fascinated me. And so initially, Well To Do was just this content hub. Um, and, you know, five years on, we, we've gone through this journey of, you know, continually solving problems for people who want to start businesses in the wellness industry. And that's evolved um, into a business that now supports people to also find a job in the wellness industry. And, and as you said, Adrian, I also work as a business coach to help people who have an idea or who have an established business in the wellness industry to harness the power of, you know, understanding the wellness industry and its trends and also harnessing the power of having an incredibly positive mindset and a success mindset and being tuned for success um, through delivering my business coaching service, which, you know, as you said, I was so grateful to, to have been able to work with you on your business. And it's a perfect example. You know, you're, you're somebody who's passionate about well-being and wants to make an incredible difference. And that's what totally lights me up. Yeah, well, I wanted to kind of just, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I wanted to take it back a note when you said that when you started well to do the the website and you said it was a crappy blog and it wasn't perfect and it wasn't ready so do you think that because i think often when people hear that you know the the message is like it doesn't have to be perfect you just have to start somewhere but do you think how important do you think it is for someone who is starting maybe a small business or a brand or a personal brand or even just a website anything how important do you think it is now especially with the work that you do um for people to have you know something that is refined do people you know that first impressions count kind of thing do you think that people it, you can just start and, and let it evolve and grow or do you think there's an element it still has to be for people discovering it this still needs to be kind of like a standard where people are going to say okay this is something how how much work do people need to do before they share it and launch something yeah, it's such a good question. The first thing I would say is, you know, a lot of people want to start a business and aren't 100% clear on what the idea is yet. And that's where I say, 
don't wait to have the perfect idea in order to start. It's about kind of just taking a baby step forward. So for me, it was going out and interviewing people and asking questions and connecting and building a network. And that was my starting point. Um, you know, I launched well to do without, without a clear business plan. If you're somebody who wants to start a supplement brand, you know, there's, there is pressure riding on getting the brand right. And, you know, I interviewed someone for, for our podcast the other day who has launched a personalized supplement brand in the U S and it's, uh, you know, it's funded with multiple millions of dollars of venture capital money. And, and in his view was, you know, if you're going to put a branded product out into the world, you only get one chance to launch. And so there's part of your question that lends itself to, to me saying, you know, for some businesses, you do have to do that work to get it right to launch. Mm. But I think leading up to, to any business launch, there is so much that you can do to keep you moving forward that, you know, doesn't, um, you know, rely on the, the pressure of having to have everything perfect right from the get go. And I think it's when somebody says, I want to start a business, but I don't know you know, what it is or how to launch that the idea is to just put one foot in front of the other and not get caught up worrying about what the big picture looks like, you know, not needing to know what step 25 looks like when really right now, all you need to know is what step one looks like. And for me, step one was, you know, designing a logo in Microsoft Paint, as I said, launching a blog just starting with something rather than saying, I want to start a business, but I don't know what to do and then not doing anything. And, and, you know, that's the difference between a successful person and somebody who talks about being successful is, you know, if there's a problem, you solve it. If there's something you don't know, you learn it. If you don't know what the business is going to be, you experiment with it and allow yourself to, to have fun with it and, and to just get started, whatever form that takes. Absolutely. I could not agree with you more, Lauren. And I think it applies to so many things, not just business, you know, whether it's, as you said, you might not know step 25 with whatever the goal is, a personal goal, a professional goal. I think taking the first step and not, as you said, not being able to know, you don't know everything. No one does. So the way that you find out is by one, being curious and asking questions and not being afraid to, to admit that you don't know everything. And I think two is, as you said, take action. Don't just you don't have to know the full plan and have this bulletproof, you know, full step guide to, to start with step one. So yeah, I think that applies to so many things. And when it comes to, you know, you've witnessed every wellness trend, I'm sure in the last decade, you know, we've seen how social and digital innovation has transformed the wellness industry. There's been the spotlight on sustainability. There's been diet trends, you know, food supplements, biohacking, DNA, blood, everything you could imagine, you know, in terms of how granular we want to go when it comes to wellness. We want to know everything now sleep every breath everything so how do you think the wellness industry seemingly infiltrated every other industry from fashion to beauty to luxury travel to corporate business it seems that everybody wants in on the wellness action now Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. And your, you know, your message with this podcast is part of that. It is part of that evolution. And I think it comes down to this desire that we have in, in, in our generation and as the evolution of self, um, you know, has evolved over the years that we're more and more obsessed in, in both a good way and sometimes in a bad way with our, um, you know, ourselves and our desire to feel good, to look good, to, to perform at our best. And 
Um, you mentioned it there with the proliferation of kind of digital and social that more than ever we have access to these amazing learning tools to help us understand our own personal well-being. And there's a real empowerment movement around well-being that says, you know, you have more control over your health than perhaps we realized generations uh, in generations gone by. So with all of that, you know, you, you've, you've summed it up. Wellness is now every industry. Um, wellness is, is fitness, it's food and drink, it's travel, it's beauty, it's technology. And I think it's because we, we want that rich experience from our life that allows us to live to our full, at our full potential. And in doing so, we're asking questions about how we move, how we start our day, what we put on our body, what we put in our body, how we travel. And so we travel differently now, you know, instead of going away, exhausting ourselves and coming back to our busy lives, we travel to reconnect. We travel to, you know, find um, new experiences and to grow and to learn. And, and then the same way we now consume differently. We think about where products came from. We think about what the purpose of the brand who produces that product is. Um, and, and so for that reason, you know, wellness has infiltrated every business and wellness, you know, what is it? Wellness is different to every, every individual, but, you know, in summary, it's got to be about, um, you know, your personal approach to, to living your best life, if you want to use that cliche. But if we're asking that question constantly, how do we live our best life? Then whether we're buying clothing or going on a holiday or investing in technology, we're going to do that with a conscious choice of how we can maximize our potential in the process. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the word conscious is what it is, isn't it? People have this abundance of information and knowledge now that perhaps consumers didn't used to have. So maybe, you know, not to say people were naive, but they just, they, they wanted a certain product to do a certain thing. Does it do it? Yes or no. Whereas, as you said, now, I think for brands and business owners, it's must be uh, much more challenging in that respect because the, the consumer knows more. The expectation is so much higher. And as you said, mm. the generation that are now, you know, the next generation of purchase power, they, they care about where they spend their money. They care about the, the conditions of the of the workers they care about the diversity of the employer they care about mm. the sustainability of the product there's so many things which rightly so are now being being highlighted and people are saying you know what all of these things are no longer nice to haves they're actually they're actually expected yeah absolutely and um, you know you're right in all of that that our decision making process has changed because we tie our personal identity so much to the brands that we align with so we won't buy from a from a brand if you know when we post about it on social media it's not going to reinforce the identity that we want to create for ourselves and the identity of our generation is very much about being empowered having a voice you know being a force for change you know and all of these things are really tied into to wellness because as i said before it is about kind of being that best version of yourself and and so our choices have to reflect that energy yeah absolutely and i guess you know 
given the situation that we're in right now, you know, like I said, you've seen everything in the last decade when it comes to the changes and the things that have kind of shaken up the wellness industry or things that have come in and, you know, changed things up, but nothing like this current crisis. You know, who could have predicted that 2020 would see us all, you know, what a curveball, you know, to, to see us all locked down in our homes pretty much 24-7 for weeks on end. It's had a huge impact, I think, on everyone's daily habits, their routines, relationships, how we work. So I guess let's start with fitness. You know, what do you think the future of fitness post-COVID looks like? Well, I mean, I'd, I'd be, you know, preaching to the converted if I was talking to you about digital fitness, because I know that is your thing and you're very <laughs> aware of how um, t technology has shaped fitness, uh, you know, in the last five years. But I think more so, I mean, it's been dr dramatically accelerated. I think every aspect of wellness, health and wellness has been dramatically accelerated by technology through this pandemic that the world has faced. And I think coupled with the fact that every single person has had their routine changed and, and challenged in some way. So whether that's I'm no longer commuting or, you know, I'm working from home or I'm homeschooling my children or, you know, or I'm not working because I've been furloughed. It means that you have had to question your daily routine in every single aspect. And so that has opened up a massive opportunity for digital versions of fitness offerings. Um, and so if you were a bricks and mortar fitness business, you're now forced to operate in the digital space. Um, if you were already in that digital space, you're forced to get really crystal clear on what your proposition is to engage and to create loyalty and to create relationships and community with your audience in a completely different way. And so there's all of these questions now for the fitness industry about, you know, what does loyalty look like in the age of the connected digital consumer? What does transformation look like for somebody who doesn't have a coach right in front of them in a physical format, but has that digital um, to digital connection? Uh, and so, you know, it's it's going to be a challenging time for businesses that weren't already in digital. Um, and once we transition back to, you know, real life, if that, you know, is ever going to be the same, what, what will this new normal look like? I think for the fitness industry, it will absolutely be uh, a necessity to have a blended approach to, to their offering. So having some form of online, if you weren't already online, um, and, and being very careful with how we reintroduce people into kind of an offline setting when it comes to fitness. Yeah, I think I'm witnessing two things right now, especially now that it's been, you know, so long, 10 weeks. I think initially, you're completely right with this acceleration, you know, people kind of saying, okay, we wouldn't have necessarily thought about doing digital content. But now it's like it's the only way fitness, fitness offerings can can reach their, their customers. So they're like, great, quick, let's just do this online thing. And let's rush and let's do that. Whereas, you know, as you know, and the listeners of the show probably know, you know, being uh, working with fit, the fitness app that I've been working with for two years, you know, I see how much you know two years and a team of 45 people it's a lot of work that goes into creating something something really good that is digital that is that is you know gonna give people a really good experience from everything from the safety aspect to the progression to the training to the variety there's so many things that i think perhaps now people who are accelerating they maybe haven't had the time to consider but the other thing i'm seeing i guess more from an individual level is this kind of 
maybe the industry feels like it's going to be a little bit diluted in a sense that because so many people are now saying, even for example, let's use Instagram lives and the trainers and the, the Pilates and the yoga and the, it's great that people are able to support their communities online and say, come and join me. But I think what I've noticed more and more from different users and different accounts is people saying, you know, why would I ever pay for fitness again? And, you know, fitness mm. should be free forever. And it's kind of this weird thing where it's like people are forgetting that a trainer who has worked for 10 years in a Pilates studio, who studies, who constantly does new courses and evolves everything from, you know, fascia release, maybe postnatal, all these things, all these things, they've got, they've got expertise, they've got years of experience and offering that for free. I think, I don't know what you, if you've seen it as well, but I really I worry a little bit that people are going to, you know, turn around and go, well, why would I pay to go to a yoga studio after this? Or why would I pay to to go have a trainer one to one? Because there's all this content which I can access for free. It makes people kind of it kind of it's devaluing, it, I think. Yeah, there has definitely been a proliferation of free content, but I think that what I've seen is a conversation in the fitness industry from a business perspective that says, okay, we offered all of this free content to keep people engaged because loyalty was the big challenge that every business faced when they weren't having people come into their physical space anymore. So there was this urge to say, okay, well, we'll, we'll give loads of free content to keep people engaged. And the other reason that brands did that is because they didn't have the production skills and and the capacity to produce high enough quality content to expect people to pay for it. Mm. But the truth is two things, you know, one, I love this quote, people who pay, pay attention. And the truth is that if you don't invest in yourself in some capacity, you don't maintain the same level of commitment in my experience as you would if you have made a decision to commit and to show up. The second thing is that there's a lot of power now back in the hands of the trainers. And I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic for the fitness industry because you've got trainers who are now realizing that we can go direct to our audience through our own digital channels. Hmm. Do we need to go back to working for somebody else? And the wellness industry is made up of brands and experts. And these experts have typically worked for another brand. And actually through this digitalization of the fitness industry, experts are feeling that they have much more power to create their own kind of scalable version of an offering. And eventually it will be difficult for them to sustain providing all of that free content because, you know, free content doesn't pay bills for people. And on some level, free content is a really useful engagement tool, but it doesn't create a scalable proposition that is, you know, is sustainable long term. And so there's that whole dynamic as well, which will, you know, no doubt begin to navigate properly when physical spaces open back up again. Um, and just finally, to that point, I think we still want in-person community, don't we? You know, mm. we still want to go and connect with people and high five and celebrate our, our fitness milestones and so that will always have a role to play. I think it just might look different in the future. Mm, I'm interested to see, you know, time will tell. So yeah, let's watch this space. And I absolutely love what you just said. I actually wrote da wrote it down. People who pay, pay attention. I think that is, uh, is so true. I know myself when I pay for something, I'm far more invested into it because I think it's of value. That's why I'm willing to spend my cash. So that is really, mm -hmm. really cool. So Lauren, I know that you've run your business online for a long time. So the idea of people saying, oh, you know, isn't this great? We can work remotely. We can connect by this really cool 
thing called Zoom. You know, it's like a lot of people are like, wow, why am I ever going to get dressed and go to a meeting again? Um, and I remember that, you know, for us, when we worked together, when you were coaching me, um, we did all of our calls via Zoom. And I hadn't really used Zoom that much before. This was, I guess, the start of last year. And and this is going <laughs> like to sound... many people. Yeah. And I, so that's exactly like, I'm embarrassed to say that, but I think it's, you know, it's just gonna sound very bougie when I say this, but one of our sessions that we had was actually whilst I was working in the Maldives. So yeah, it sounds bougie. I'm not, I'm not usually working in the Maldives, but I was, which was amazing and beautiful. And we got to, yeah, continue our coaching, continue our work whilst I was there. And so, yeah, for you, I guess, have you had to change as the current situation made you change, you know, your business and the way your business runs or is it business as usual? So personally, I'm really excited about the comfortability that people now have with having conversations on Zoom um, because I have this goal of having a business that allows me to have complete geographical freedom. And I think up until five months ago, there was a little part of most people who have a digital business that felt that they had to have a base. And, you know, to be honest, I will still always have a base, but I have family in Australia. I, I love traveling. I love to feel a sense of, you know, I don't have to go into central London if I don't need to. And so I, I really like that the world has adjusted to being comfortable with meeting in digital forums and using Zoom and jumping on a video call. And I have to say, I much prefer a video call than a voice call as well. I think it, it's not quite the same, but it's as effective, um, you know, as, as meeting in person, if not more effective, because you don't have that extra travel time. So you know, we are part of our business is an events business, and we run a a 400 person conference every year in London. And sadly, that won't happen this year, because we can't plan to gather that many people with such unknowns and such uncertainty. Mm. So as a business, we have had to pivot. And I'm someone who, you know, puts my energy into focusing on the silver linings. And the silver lining for us is that we've now been able to run our events digitally, via Zoom. Uh, and as a result, we, you know, on our last event, I said to people, where are you, where are you logging on from? Um, they're paid events and we pour out our heart and souls into producing incredible insights and content for those events. And when I asked that question, we had people from Mexico, from New Zealand, getting up at 5am to join the call, you know, from Luxembourg, from Estonia, from Russia, from America, you know, suddenly our audience is now able to join us from anywhere in the world they don't have to be in London on a particular day with you know their bum on a seat and you know there are benefits of that of course of in-person networking but I'm I'm excited by this whole digitalization and the fact that we can reach more people we can have more impact and there's suddenly an accessibility angle to everything that we do that perhaps wasn't there before yeah, I really hope that continues. I really hope it does because obviously, you know me, I love to be in the room. I'm an in the room person. I want to meet people face to face. I want to always have the opportunity to connect with people in real life. But I really hope that that idea, as you said, continues. So for example, it's inspired me to think, okay, well, yeah, I can't necessarily, you know, get all the people in the room from around the world that I'd love to speak to, but it's definitely inspired me to think, well, how could I create something of my own where I can, yeah, connect with all the 
those people. And I hope that, yeah, people are still kind of willing to say, even when, you know, I guess things change and people are able to work again and move again, I, I hope that they will still see the value in saying, oh, okay, there's a cool, I don't know, webinar or online course. And actually, I want to commit to being there at that time on that day and hopefully yeah, our, our busy schedules that probably that come back into play won't um yeah won't detract from that mm, but I guess Lauren yeah. I'd love to talk to you I guess you know f- from your perspective you know as a business coach and you coach so many people and I know you've worked with people in different industry well different parts I guess of, of the wellness industry so right now when there's so much change and so much uncertainty and unknown I'm hearing two sides of the coin and I think I've mentioned this quite recently on the podcast but some people are saying you know disruption is a great time for opportunity like people are going to come out of this and thrive and start new businesses and have new ideas and I think there's other people that are kind of like hang on it's a really insensitive approach there's lots of uncertainty and fear especially around people being able to pay their bills which let's not let's not forget that you know for a lot of people working you know earning money it's a necessity it's not just like a oh I'll, I'll do something that I enjoy it's like yeah but what about bills? So I think, you know, what's your advice to people right now as a coach? And also, I guess, how do you manage the kind of weight of the responsibility? Because I know that when I I mentor sometimes and with my mentees, I, I had to kind of I had one mentee in particular who I felt like she really took my word as gospel. And it was almost like she was anything I said. It was like, if Adrienne says it, she's right. I'm going to do it. And I found myself after our calls just kind of thinking like, oh, gosh, you know, if I said to her, I don't know, move to another country, she would, you know. And it was kind of like I was like, I felt this this responsibility. And I had to kind of keep reminding her that I'm happy to guide you. I'm happy to give you my opinion. I'm happy to give you my support but I can't make important decisions for you that ultimately lies with Mm. you have you Mm -hmm. ever have you ever experienced that that you've summed it up perfectly you know as a coach you can ask the right questions you can prompt people in the right direction but you you should never take this approach of of making somebody do something that that becomes a completely different role and so yes you will always have clients that you know are looking for you to tell them which how high to jump and in which direction to run. Um, but for me, you know, I, I take my work as a business coach really seriously. And during this time, I've had clients face extremely challenging financial um, struggles in their business, implications of losing clients of, you know, I have a client who has a yoga studio who, you know, was forced to shut down. I have a client who's a doctor building a brand and, you know, she was on the front line fighting COVID, not building her business. And, uh, you know, it's it's been challenging, but also very rewarding to play a support role to these business owners and to help them to see almost, you know, the wood from the trees to see where opportunity lies to pivot, where opportunity lies to just stop and pause and reflect and say, where am I? Is this an opportunity to actually, you know, change direction? Or is this an opportunity to, to pause and reflect and, and serve our customers and reinforce community? And so for every business, it's going to be different. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, yes, there will be a lot of disruption that comes out of this because naturally when um, the world is thrown into chaos, people become creative in how they find solutions to paying bills and they get creative in how they reach new customers because they haven't been able to move forward with the business plans that they made for 2020. And so my focus with my clients has been on 
effective decision making so not resting and and sitting on things for so long that you know you don't act because the emotional energy that goes into just thinking about what to do is really draining so um far you know effective decision making creativity so making headspace not absorbing the news 24 7 and you know looking at what everybody else is doing but creating headspace to be creative so that you can find solutions for problems um, and then, you know, the third one is investing in, you know, yourself and learning and challenging the way that you've been thinking so that you can come out of this, you know, having not just survived, but, but thrived in the process. And that really, um, for business owners comes down to a choice of attitude of, I'm going to look for the opportunities or I'm going to, you know, stay stuck in the, in the chaos of it and stay stuck in the struggle. Yeah, I think that's really fantastic advice. And when it comes to advice, Lauren, you know, as I said, you support so many different people, individuals, businesses. So do you actually have someone who advises you? Have you worked with a coach or a mentor? You obviously see the value in that. So yeah, do you do that yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I didn't do at the beginning of my business was was, you know, invest in myself. And I think it's because particularly as a, as a woman in business and, you know, as somebody who'd never run a business before, um, I didn't realize the importance of, of me in the business. And actually that if I'm burnt out or, you know, lacking in direction or lacking support, then there is no business. And so I, I say to, to every, um, business owner, you know, find a mentor. If you, if you can't afford to make, make that investment, find somebody who has done what you want to do and learn from them. And that doesn't always mean pinning someone down for coffee and asking them a million questions. It might be, finding a podcast, you know, a great one that, that I recommend for people is how I built this, which is a business podcast that goes through the journey of how other entrepreneurs built from nothing to, to something successful. And so you can seek a lot of mentorship from, from podcasts and books. And I certainly do that. I've also invested in business coaches myself. I've worked with two different business coaches. I'm constantly investing in programs and courses online to, you know, to, to help me to learn and overcome problems that I'm facing. Um, I went to uh, Tony Robbins Business Mastery uh, event last year, which was five days of learning from, you know, world-class leaders and and Tony himself, who's an extra, extraordinarily successful um, businessman and, and motivational speaker. Mm. And I would circle back to what I said before about the fact that people who pay, pay attention because my first investment in a business coach was a huge financial stretch for me. It felt uncomfortable. It felt... Um, you know, I remember my palms sweating as I pressed the, the, the button to make the first payment, not knowing how I would make the next payment. And, you know, my advice around that is that when you invest in yourself, you level up in a way that you don't otherwise. And, and people will be able to reflect on this in their own behavior. When you make an investment in anything, whether it's a white pair of sneakers that you want to look after and keep clean, mm -hmm. you, you know, you look after them, you only wear them on sunny days. If you buy a new car, you know, you treat it like it's, uh, you know, golden, it's, it's new, it's shiny, you take care of it. And the same is true for an investment in your business. You know, when you invest in a business coach, you're saying to yourself, I'm serious about this. I'm ready to level up. I want to get a return out of this investment. And I know that that's what happened for me. Um, and it took, it took everything to a whole 
whole new level um, as a result. Yeah, I agree. And working with you, Laura, and myself, I know that that was certainly true for me. And yeah, I love what you said about finding mentors through podcasts or through online content. You know, I, I'm a big, I watch TEDx talks, probably I watch like 10 TEDx talks a week. And I feel like I have all these amazing mentors. They just don't know it and they've never met me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So I don't usually ask for specific recommendations, but I think I'm going to start because I really like it when I'm stealing this from other shows because when I listen to podcasts and they give really specific recommendations, if I've resonated with that person, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go and buy that book or download that show. And I, yeah, I've also listened to How I Built This. I really liked the the episode with the founders of Strava. So for any anyone who's interested in that, then that's a good one. But do you have any standout either books or, well, you've mentioned podcasts already, but any standout books that either you're either you read and had a huge impact on yourself or a book that you recommend your clients read? Yeah, so I have three books that changed my life um, that I would love to recommend. Uh, so the first one was The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. Um, very quickly, Jeff talks about how success is not an overnight thing. And we, we all know that, but what he reminds you is that success is a daily decision to take dis, you know, small disciplined actions. And so a perfect example would be, you know, if you want to learn a language, if you want to learn French, you know, five minutes a day is all it takes for you to advance to, 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 to learn a language over a long period of time. But, you know, the thing with deciding to do five minutes of something every day is that it's really easy to do, but it's also really easy not to do because it's so easy to say, oh, it's only five minutes, I'll do it tomorrow. And so he encourages this kind of attitude of consistent daily action will get you to your goals. And that's where, you know, reflecting back to where we were talking before about, you know, not knowing what the big picture is and getting caught up in, you know, what step 25 looks like. It comes down to taking a little baby step of action every day towards your dreams. And that really helped me when I was getting started with my business. Um, and then the other two books are um, one is called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, which if you're thinking about starting a business is really helpful because it says it in the name. It's about, you know, helping you to uncover um, upper limits and things that are in your mind that are getting in the way of you starting or taking a leap forward. Mm. And then the other one is called How to Be Here by Rob Bell. Um, and it is very much, again, about being present in your pursuit of success, being okay with failure, um, making the crap version first rather than it needing to be the perfect version. And so, yeah, if, like you said, if any of, of what I've shared has resonated, then I know that you, your listeners are going to love those books. Thank you so much, Lauren. So I'm, I've already read The Big Leap, but I have not read The Slight Edge or How to Be Here. So I'm going to check out both of those books. And I think when you were talking about The Slight Edge, and as you know, I'm writing the Power Hour book right now, I want people to understand what the Power Hour is and also what it isn't. You know, it's not about productivity, do more, do more, grind, grind. It's actually about, yeah, just do the one thing, like the first domino to fall is how I describe it. So mm. it brings me on perfectly to talk to you about the Power Hour, Lauren. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Everyone on the show already knows what the Power Hour is about, I'm sure, if they've listened to this before. So I'd love to dive straight in and find out if you have a Power Hour and what time you get up in the morning and what the first hour of your day is like. So um, things have changed for me as far as what time I get up in the morning because during a pre-lockdown, I should say, I was getting up at six and, you know, um, three days a week jumping on a train to go into London or going down to my little local gym and doing a class. Um, I have really focused a lot on getting good night's sleep during lockdown. That's been one of my focus things. And so I've been getting up a little bit later, more like maybe 7.30, 7.45, um, and using the lack of commute to make sure I'm getting a good night's sleep. Um, and on that note, I actually, I read a great book um, called Sleep by Nick Littlehales, and he's an elite sleep coach for sporting teams. And he talks about how we all have our own unique sleep characteristics. And I put a lot of pressure on myself for a long time to join the 5 a.m. club. And when I read his book and learned about, you know, our personal sleep characteristics, mm-hmm. um, I learned that I am definitely a night owl. Mm-hmm. So I get creative, I get really juicy with my work and new projects in the evening. Um, and so I, I really like that I've kind of taken the pressure off myself to have to get up early. Yeah. But the first hour of my day is definitely about setting the rhythm for my day. So I know if it's rushed, then my day is going to be um, chaotic and probably stressful and probably, you know, um, not calm and and I won't have that sense of ease in what I do. So I, I know that the first hour of my day needs to be dedicated to making a coffee and that's very therapeutic for me. It's doing some reading. It's... Um, not checking in on social media, but checking in on my family in Australia who, um, have had their full day and are usually sending me messages. Um, so I check in with my family and on a perfect day, my first hour would also include, um, some meditation, some Vedic meditation and some journaling too. I'm a massive, massive fan of journaling, of getting it all written down, um, and kind of clearing your mind by giving yourself that space to, to write things down. Yeah. Brilliant. And I like that you, you know, honestly said, you know, you, you know, that it's not about one's better than the other, you know, what works for you in terms of getting up or when you're productive or when you're creative. And I guess as well, as you said, because you've built a business and you've built a life that allows you to have the flexibility and the freedom, you're able to pour your time and energy into things when you want to. I think the struggle for people who, you know, if they, tell me that they're time poor, they don't have time, they don't have time. And they might say, well, in the evening, I have to do this with my kids or, you know, at this time that that's when I encourage people to say, you know what, there's never going to be enough time. So whether the time is first thing in the morning before everyone else needs you, or maybe again, could be later, but just, Mm. you know, knowing that it doesn't, there isn't a one, yeah, one size fits all or one's better than the other, but it has to be something that is going to work for you. Otherwise, essentially you're just fighting a losing battle every day thinking, oh, I haven't done it. 
Yeah. And, you know, success looks different for every person. There's no playbook for success in life. It starts with you knowing who you are and building that sense of self-awareness and also knowing what success is for you. And that will be a different metric for everybody, even in business. Not everyone wants to run a multi-million dollar pound empire that's, you know, global and has a team of 100 people. Sometimes success is you just doing your thing, having independence, having freedom. And so it's the same with what time you get up. You know, I, 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 I'm the one who reads these articles of like, what does, you know, um, Warren Buffett do to be as successful as he is? And, and you think, okay, if I just copy that, then I'll be <laughs> as successful as Warren Buffett. And, and it's not that it's, it's adopting these principles, like we've said, of like a principle of daily disciplined action. That's replicable. But how you, how you, um, you know, how that plays out for you in your life is going to be different to the next person. And, and that's okay. And I think it's really powerful to understand that. Absolutely. Have you, are you familiar with Simon Sinek's The Infinite Game? Yes. Yes. I love and I, Simon Sinek. Right. So anyone who doesn't, I, I'm just going to encourage you to go and check that out, The Infinite Game. And one thing that I heard someone say, which I thought was brilliant, was that, you know, if we're comparing ourselves to other people in terms of our successes and the timeline of like, you know, this idea that it's too late or, you know, doing something first or doing something by a certain age, you know, we have these like 30 under 30 lists and, you know, people saying that there's this kind of feel like this race is on. And the person that was talking said, well, the end of the race, Race, so the finish line, if you like, what's the end of the race of life? Well, it's death. So he was kind of saying, you know, if you're if you're racing to get to that finish line, that's not really a, that's not the goal, is it? The goal can't just be how quick can I get there. It needs to actually be about what am I doing? And and this this idea of the infinite game, basically saying that yeah, there are no rules and there is no timeline. So yeah, encourage people to check that out because it was oh, super fascinating. I was like, this is so amazing, liberating, right? Exactly. You're like, oh yeah, like I'm but I'm actually just doing my own thing, my own yeah, time. It's cool. The pressure is off. Yeah. So before I ask you, Laura, my closing question, which I can't believe this episode is over. I'm, I wanted to talk to you forever. But before I ask you my closing question, could you please tell the guests where they can find you, where they can get in touch, where they can find out more about well to do, about your events, your careers, everything? Uh, yeah, I'd love to. Well, if you're someone interested in the wellness industry, curious about what it could look like for you as a career, um, you can definitely visit welltodoglobal.com. Um, if I can in any way be of service to, to anybody listening with building their business, then my personal business coaching business is at laurenarms.co. Um, and then I'm on Instagram at laurenarms, which is arms with an E, which is a bit of a useless E, but there you have it. And, <laughs> um, and we also have a, a podcast, which is all about the business of wellness. So that's on all of your great podcast services. She's everywhere, guys. And I'll also add those links as well. Thank you so much, Lauren. So my closing question, which I'm asking to everybody this year, is all about time. As I said, many people feel as though they're time poor and that they're always chasing the clock. So if you were gifted an extra hour every single day, there's now 25 hours in your day, what would you use your extra hour to do? Without a doubt, it would be reading and learning. 
I'm such a fiend for growth and the inbox, uh, the, the folder in my Google inbox that has the most emails in it is called to read. <laughs> and so I know that, you know, there are emails in there from Robin Sharma and Tony Robbins and, you know, countless other inspiring people that, you know, keep me inspired and growing and changing and you know Tony Robbins says if you're not growing you're dead and that's pretty forceful but if you're not learning then you're staying stuck and so that question for me is an easy answer I would read and learn I love that. I agree with you, Lauren. I'm also committed to lifelong learning. And I read that you know, across all the things I'm researching for the book around high performance and high performers, this is the most common trait that I'm seeing is this is this commitment to lifelong learning. Nobody, nobody who's at the top of their game thinks I know everything. They're the people who think I don't know anything. There's so much more to learn. So yeah, I love that. And I'm, I'm also, I have that kind of struggle as well with like a list a list of books a list of podcasts a list of things and I'm slowly making my way through them all but thank you so much for being a guest today Lauren I've really really enjoyed this chat thank you everyone for listening to the show if you've enjoyed this episode then as always please do rate and review I know I say it every week and I think people kind of they send messages tweets Instagram it's fantastic we love hearing from you but please do rate and review the show on iTunes if you have a minute because it really helps us to grow the show to reach new people which is what I'm all about and to get new guests to come and share their wisdom as well. So thank you so much. Have an awesome week. Thank you again, Lauren. Thanks, Adrienne. Thanks everyone for listening. Take care. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.